0: You know, be a be a doer, not a gunner.
1: Our guest this week works with his consultancy Illuminate to connect people from different industries so they can open new frames of reference and attack their business challenges in new, innovative ways. He has worked in roles from frontline operations to senior management, and he has founded Travelling Dads and Travelling Mums, a company that creates amazing stories written with kids, by kids, and for kids. Today, we are honored to have Mark Pygram speaking to us.
2: Thanks so much for being with us today, Mark, and we're super excited to hear about um, all the various hats you wear, so go ahead.
0: Thank you, Nancy, and thank you, Spencer. Yeah, well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are joining us. It's lovely to be invited to talk a little bit about some of the things I've been doing over the last few years. A super quick bit of background on me. I live in Australia. I studied chemical engineering as an undergrad, worked at Caltex at their oil refineries here for 10 years after that, then started um, my own management consulting business uh, about 10 years ago and saw that go through some pretty high peaks and some pretty low troughs. And now I'm consulting on my own and uh, writing and publishing kids' books, as well as doing some other random things like Uber driving and driving freight stuff around the, the country to get across borders that are closed because of um, COVID restrictions. So I'm, I'm never one to sit still for too long, I guess you could say. So where do the kids books come from? Uh, a bit of background on that. Probably I've got three kids, um, Hamish, Lachlan and Isla. Uh, they're 11, nearly 10 and nearly 7. And probably eight years ago, I guess it would be. the the very start of it came from and if any of you ki- any of you have kids you'll understand this I got sick and tired of my kids asking me to read me the same read them the same story every night so it was just like mayhem you know you're getting asked to read the same thing every night and I was going crazy so I said to them one night well why don't we make up a story and this was before Isla was born um and the boys said well what does that mean and I got out my phone and um hit record and just said well let's make a story up um you know once upon a time there was a dragon named hamish and a dinosaur named lachlan and and then started getting the kids involved in um how the story would actually go and flow um and then later we would listen back to the <clears throat> to the story and, and have a good laugh about it and it was really fun because it it really um i don't know sparks their imagination and the you know the plot just goes in any and every direction so the from a, a purist perspective um reading my books or reading our books um you you probably have a fair few uh, darts to throw at the, um, you know, the layout and the how the story flows, but um, it's because it's developed organically with kids who are between sort of three and eight years old when uh, when we created them. So we kept doing it, um, and we've probably written about I don't know a dozen stories, I guess now. Then uh, I, I would uh, I'd play them back to to my kids, uh, you know, to, to entertain them and also their cousins, and uh, they'd all got got a kick out of it. Uh, and so, to make it a bit easier, I, I started transcribing them. So I would listen back to the audio and type up the script. Um, so we had something a little bit more coherent. And then I went to the MIT bootcamp in 2018. So by this stage, we probably had about 10 stories written. Um, didn't really know what to do with them at that point, but um, the bootcamp, you know, gave me a really good push and uh, an idea of um, you know different approaches and ways to attack it. Um, so I thought, okay, well, first thing first, we've got to um, get one of these illustrated and published and see how that goes. Going into the market and considering how competitive it is in the kids' book space, the the boot camp sort of really gave me some good ideas in terms of thinking differently about um, how we could approach differentiating the book. And so the big differentiator for our books is that it comes with uh, a mobile application, which is free, um, and that lets you record your own version of the story into the app so the the branding for us is made primarily traveling dads and traveling mums and the concept is that when you're traveling away as a mum or a dad you could record yourself reading a story into the app so then when you're away your kids um, could play it back hear mum or dad reading to them follow along with the book um, or listen to it in the car or, or whatever but have a familiar voice um, reading to them when for whatever reason, if it's shift work or if it's fly and fly-out work or, or separated parents even, kids can still hear their, their loved ones' voices. So that's the differentiator for us. So when we put the, the first bit together, um, this is the, the first book, The Dinosaur Pack. and you'll see on the website that the a lot of the background is still sort of heavily based around this, um, but then we, we chose six books Uh, which appear in the front. So each of these rows is a a book. And this page is called the Character Hall of Fame. And the idea about that is that as we publish each book, more of the the characters are unlocked um, to be a bit of a a driver for kids to want to get the next one. Um, This is the latest one. So this is the third book that we've illustrated and published. And you can see it's got its characters showing up, and then up here it's got the first character from the next book. Um, so, again, trying to create a little bit of um, interest and, and reason for, for kids to want to um, you know get the next book and, and see what's coming next. Some of the other things that we've done, um, well, was the, the way the, the books are, are written and put together, the kids are the characters um, in them. So, you know, there's on the T-Rex, there's Isla the giant squid, there's Hamish the Megalodon, um, Hamish the Woolly Mammoth, Isle of the Baby Mouse, Isle of the Beautiful Giant, um, and they're all created by the kids, um, and uh, yeah, we choose the names. And as we once we've made the story up, um, what I wanted to do was just show you briefly um, how we do the illustrations. Um, so with the illustrations um, and the first book. Got to the point of having the script ready and and had the app starting to to be developed, uh, but then realised, well, I can't draw to save myself. So, so what am I going to do? And fortuitously, uh, about that time, I um, picked up a graphic designer in my Uber in Brisbane um, and was giving her a lift to a job interview, and we got chatting. Uh, it was only about a ten minute Uber Uber ride, and uh, we got chatting, and she said she was into graphic design, but was doing a lot of corporate stuff. Wanted to branch out into something a bit more interesting and said she'd done some kids' book illustrations. So we um, set up a, a coffee meeting after that and, uh, and had a few discussions about it. And um, she's now in the process of illustrating our fourth book out of the first series of six. So I guess the takeaway there for me is um, always be open to expanding your network wherever, you know, those opportunities might pop up. Basically what we do in the illustration process is get the script, um, and then, um, I'll sit down and, and do a reading, um, with the kids and sometimes with their cousins, uh, where we just read through the script and I get them to tell me, well, what, is, what is it that they're, what is it that they're seeing? Um, what are they imagining the, each scene might look like? Um, from there, uh, we jot that down, um, in a scene sequence. Um, and so then with that, Let's us figure out how many uh, how many pages we're going to need, um, and then we jump online, um, take photos of you know the kids in various poses and, and things like that for how we want the um, the images to look, uh, and put all that into a, a PowerPoint pack with the script for each each page, uh, and that then we send that to the uh, the illustrator, sorry, um, and that's the starting point for it. So then she Julia will. Um, work on the the hero characters, so the main characters first, to get the um, what they're going to look like and all the colours and rendering and things like that. Right, um, and then she'll start working on the backgrounds and sending it to us backwards and forwards and things like that um, until we we land on the, on the final outcome. A couple of other things, just to show you before I throw it to Spencer and Nancy, um, we I did a, a trial. So I don't know if in the States or in the UK, your grocery stores have got um, collectible uh, things that, that you can collect. So like over here at Woolworths and Coles, the main supermarkets, if you spend $30 um, and they're running a promotion, you, you might get a little ushy um, figurine. Um, if you spend 60, you get two of them and there's a whole collection and things like that. So um, some of the different PMR marketing channels that I've gone down, have involved exploring those things so what we did was we we made character cards for each of the characters in the series and so think of a pokemon card if you're familiar with pokemon cards where they've each of the characters had different personality traits and different strengths and weaknesses and um, we included things like um empathy and resilience and, and that sort of stuff and gave it an overall rating and and the the concept was to see if the supermarkets would want to um, Use those as collectibles, and then um, once the kids had collected a whole series of cards, then they could um, have a bigger purchase, and then get a free book um, to go with it. So the trouble that, or the the holes that they pointed in that was that, given it's not really a mainstream brand as yet, uh, you know, it'd probably be hard to get traction initially because they're working with you know the likes of Disney and Pixar and, and places like that with some of their collectibles at the moment. But all the same, um, you know, it was a good experience to, to go through that. Didn't cost much money or, or take too much effort, but um, it's a good, I guess, just reinforcing the the PMR and testing and, and figuring out what works, what's going to strike a chord and, and what isn't. The other thing I just wanted to point out that we've added in, and this is more from, well, a couple of things actually. Anyone familiar with the Richard Scarry books from or, uh, or a long time ago when I was growing up? I used to love uh, reading the Richard Scarry books, and um, there's a one book, and I forget which one it's called, but there's a, a little character called Goldbug, and it's this little golden bug that drives a little yellow bulldozer, um, and you had to find where Goldbug was on each of the pages, um, and he, you know, in different spots, only certain parts of this little bug was showing. So, in the latest book, we sort of we've actually got a um, a little man called Illuminate Man, which is my consulting business. So that's Illuminate Man on the on the little dozer and on every page Illuminate Man's hidden somewhere for the kids to find. And probably the last thing before I throw it over is in the, in the back of each of the books we've got um, all the main character wireframe illustrations. So the purpose of these is that kids can either pull them out of the book and colour them in, in and um, and name them or on the website you can download each of these for free um, and print them out and, and use them for colouring in purposes with your kids and stuff like that. Um, my kids love colouring in and um, yeah, it's a, just an added little extra, I suppose, that we're trying to put together with the books. So that's a, a bit of a rundown uh, on what what I've done, where we're at uh, at the moment. We've got our Apple iOS app is out and running and has been for a bit over six months, and the Android app is going to, fingers crossed, release before Christmas. We found the the process for that a bit more cumbersome, I guess, just to get through all the hoops that Google needs you to to get through compared to the Apple one. So um, that's taken a little bit longer, but that's um, that's where we're up to. So I might open it back up to Nancy and Spencer or anyone else with uh, with any questions. Happy to take.
2: Yeah. Thank you so much, Mark. I I really um, I'm biased because I love what you do and and I've already become one of your happy customers. So (laughs) I didn't actually know uh, about the app until I looked at uh, the Facebook page. I think it's a really neat way to kind of continue on that personalization that you're doing. Um, But, um, you know, you kind of talked a little bit about the link between what you do at illuminate and um and traveling dads in the sense of your network and your little illuminate man but i was honestly wondering you know as an entrepreneur and um the amount of thought and energy you put into traveling dads, how do you find balance between like consulting and being an entrepreneur
0: yeah um good question nancy um I actually find it's it almost um, balances itself in a way. So when I um, I had a pretty ordinary experience nearly four years ago, where I had to close my consulting business down and sack thirty people because I'd made some poor decisions in terms of putting various people into leadership roles, and they and I didn't manage them, and my other business partner didn't manage them well enough, and they they drove the business in the wrong direction and into an unsustainable position. So that was um, that was pretty hard having to, you know, shut something down completely that you'd started seven years earlier, sack 30 people who, you know, were relying on their jobs for uh, employment and, and the like. And at the same time I've had, you know, my, my um, marriage sort of broke down and I've separated from my wife and all of that sort of thing. So it was a pretty ordinary time. When I came, when I crawled out from under my rock that i hid under for a month or two after that experience, um, I said, told myself that I've got to do three things, focus on three things. One was not to go and start another consulting business that relied on full-time employees straight away, um, at least, because that was one of the downfalls um, of our business model. We had 45 full-time employees. And so when, you know, there were dips in the market, we didn't have any flexibility to, to uh, move. The second was to spend a bit of time every week on working on product concepts, so things that are going to build annuity revenue. And you don't have to, you know, work full time at it, but just set some time aside every week to, you know, work on that. I'm trying to think what the third one was. It was that long ago. I think it was just focus on the the kids and spend time with them, and you know, work on being a good dad. Um, so I try and put a bit of time aside every week um, to, you know, work on this stuff. Uh, and I guess because I'm driving the the timetable that there isn't a hard and fast, okay, we have to, you know, do things by a, a certain time. I I'm, I'm more about, you know, making sure the product's right, making sure the kids like it, and you know, making sure it looks looks right and feels right for for what we want it to be. And, you know, then things like COVID come up. So our original plan for this year was to publish two books, the third and fourth. So we published this one back in March. And then I've really gone slowly on publishing the fourth one because uh, you could imagine it's it's a bit hard pushing a Travelling Dads and Travelling Mums uh, branded product when nobody's travelling because of uh, COVID-19. So you never know what what things are sort of going to throw be thrown at you. And then the way I, the reason I say it kind of drives it itself in terms of the timing and finding space for it is um, in my consulting work, uh, I've just finished two months ago, a 15 month engagement with Air New Guinea in um, Papua New Guinea, working with their engineering and maintenance division, doing a, a capability uplift program with, with one other colleague. So the last six months of last year, I was in New Guinea 20 times, haven't been able to go up this year, so we had, had to finish the, the project remotely, but that was full on and busy. And so I was only dipping my toe in the water on, on the traveling dads and traveling mum stuff through that period. Now that's come off, I've ramped up the focus on this. And if you wind back two years before that Air New Guinea gig, I actually had a period of time consulting where the market was just dead. And I, I had five months without any consulting work at all. And that was really hard financially. But had I not had that gap, I wouldn't have had the, the time to focus as much as I did on getting the first book illustrated and the first app, you know, up and running and, and getting things kickstarted. So that's a bit of how I approach it.
1: Thank you very much for going so in depth on that with us, Mark. I really do appreciate it. And one thing I, this is kind of a bit of a more selfish question. So I'm originally from Brisbane as well. Um I moved to the UK about 4 years ago. We actually both studied at UQ. And so I wanted to ask you about the entrepreneurial climate in Brisbane. When I was there, my impression before leaving was very much that it's against starting anything new or things like that just as a sort of culture and I thought if you could give your perspective on that, that would really enlighten me.
0: Yeah, sure, Spencer.
1: Probably 5 years ago when um
0: the Then Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull was in power. There was a big push on innovation and creativity and and things like that. And there was a fair bit of money washing around the the industry across the whole country for entrepreneurial and innovative ideas and setting up businesses and grants and all of that sort of thing. Um, And what in Brisbane that I've noticed what that created was a lot of collaborative workspaces and incubation hubs and and that sort of thing the trouble though with a lot of them that i've found and and this is still the case that i see at the moment is right young people going out into these um, incubation hubs and collaborative workspaces and things like that you know trying to do things but they're they're not being matched with some seasoned business people who've actually been in business for a while and and know how to you know pick the eyes out of a, a good innovation and see what can actually be marketed and sold. Um, so you've got all these great ideas and great people coming up with fabulous ideas, but I think there's a lot of wheel spinning, to be honest, going on where, you know, you're not seeing a lot of output and and that's, you know, been the last five years that I've been looking at that, um, haven't been seeing, you know, leaps and bounds in innovations coming from any of these places uh, in or around Brisbane that I've noticed.
2: Thanks so much for explaining that. I I always find it fascinating to kind of get that um, perspective from different sides of the world too. That was a great question, Spencer. Um, so Adriana, I, I don't know if you uh, see our text channels, but uh, Adriana said on her uh, discussion channel that she remembers the books where you had to find the little gold bucket, uh, the little gold bug, and and she loved those. And and she, you and I are all around the same age bracket. Um, I remember the Richard Scary books. I love those. Um, and then, and Nez actually was asking um, if you could talk about where you are right now and how um, you and your family have been affected with COVID. And my understanding is that Australia is far better than some parts of the world, but I'd love to hear your perspective.
0: Absolutely. Right now I am, sitting in my uh, partner's home gym um, in Tamworth um, which is in New South Wales in Australia. Um, My kids live in Brisbane and go to school in Brisbane Um, and I live there as well and spend maybe a bit under half of my time down here in Tamworth um, with my partner down here. that's been really challenging through COVID because um, I don't know if in this, around the world what people have done uh, in terms of interstate uh, travel restrictions, but here in Australia, there are eight states and territories, and when COVID sort of started getting a bit of a run on in March, um, a number of those borders uh, were closed to varying degrees. So an example would be Tasmania, which is a little island state. So if you imagine Hawaii, the big island of Hawaii, so picture that as Tasmania. And the, the, the Premier of Tasmania said, well, that's it. Um, we don't want any COVID coming here at all. We don't have any at the moment, so we're going to close our borders and not let anyone come here. And if you do, so say if you were travelling at the time and you, were, you lived there, you could go back, but you had to quarantine for two weeks before you were allowed out in the community. So there were those border restrictions put in place. There were also border restrictions put in place um, between states where you could drive or walk or fly between regularly. So um, California and Nevada, they're next to each other, I think, aren't they? That border could be the same as between New South Wales and Queensland. And that was closed and police roadblocks and army personnel involved. And unless you had a specific pass that you had to log online and prove why you had to cross the border. You either weren't allowed to cross, or if you did, you were escorted to hotel quarantine and had to stay in a hotel room for two weeks and pay for that yourself, which cost about $3,000. So it massively limited the ability for people to move around the country, which is, it's not doing terrible things to the economy at the moment because the government's propping our economy up with um, funds. But when that runs out, it's going to be pretty devastating, I think, um, in terms of what impact it might have. For me personally, so I'd, I had been coming down from Queensland to New South Wales, crossing the border legally to see my partner and to see my family who live up the road as well, my, my mum and my sisters. But then in August, they they increased the the border restrictions where um, what I had been doing didn't qualify anymore. And so this is, the, I guess, the, the entrepreneur in me, um, up until august i'd been driving about 500 kilometers every couple of weeks uh, and was just saying to family and friends look i'm coming from brisbane which is a a capital city to you know these smaller regional towns if there's any stuff that you you know you want brought down um things from ikea gym gear you know stuff that maybe you couldn't get in the regional towns but you could get in the city i'm happy to throw it in my car and and bring it down for you so i had been bringing stuff down for nothing just you know, as a, as a friend all of the year. And when they closed the doors in August, I couldn't come down to see my mom, my sisters and my partner for seven weeks. And I wrote to the government and asked for exemptions and didn't hear anything back and um, was just being ignored. So I've, I'm not one to sort of sit around and be told I can't do something if I can see a logical way to do it. So I set up a new business uh, called Pygram transport and logistics, which in Australia takes about half an hour to do. And developed some documentation to manage the transport of people and/or small freight items, and then started, you know, telling family and friends and, and advertising a little bit on on Facebook um, that hey, look, I do this trip every couple of weeks, so if you've got stuff you need taken, let me know. Now the reason I did that was one of the exemptions to cross the border was if you had a commercial passenger or commercial freight operation going. So once I had that business set up and I had legitimate freight to move, I could then go online, get a a border pass and cross the border as much as I want with some um, caveats in place, but not having to quarantine. That's the main thing because I look after my kids every second weekend in Brisbane. And so having to do two weeks quarantine every time, I just couldn't do it. So I've been doing that now for three months and opportunity tends to breed opportunity because I'm I'm busier now with dropping freight things off for people all over the, the state than I am with consulting work. So I've found a way, I guess.
1: Yeah, thanks very much for going through that, Mark. Um, and this Ines actually responded, well, this is really interesting and quick to do. And um, from what I've heard from my parents as well, the situation in Queensland and Brisbane inside the state is pretty comfortable but going between states is a constant hassle right now. Um, Although I do think that opening up to New Zealand soon.
0: Uh, Yes well the the other thing just for everyone else's um, benefit uh, and one of the big drivers I think behind the Queensland New South Wales that border being so harshly managed is there was a state election um in queensland uh last saturday so a week ago or just over a week ago um and they were getting good good feedback that you know most of the the state thought having the border closed was a good idea so they they kept it in place until after the election the government got re-elected and so now they might consider winding it back a little bit um, most of Australia is open to New Zealand now already. I think it's only Western Australia and Queensland that still aren't letting New Zealanders in um, because there's, there's effectively no COVID in, um, in New Zealand.
1: Yeah, that's excellent to hear. Uh, now, one thing I really wanted to ask you about is sort of the how you managed to juggle the competing priorities of working as an MD at Illuminate whilst founding your own... Yeah, um, sure. The, the Traveling dads and traveling. I moms. guess I didn't. Because I feel get like those the two
0: interesting the traveling dads and priorities. traveling mums stuff until to, after I closed my previous business down and illuminate now is basically just me. So I bring other people in to do projects. Um, you know, when when I have a need for for more than just me to do the work. But in the previous business that I had to shut down, yeah, I had like forty five people and five coverage across five states out of the eight in Australia. So that yeah, there wasn't really a whole lot of spare time to to do much on it then. But we were still doing the, the creative work, like we were still creating the stories and, and making them up. It wasn't really until I went to the boot camp and, and got the um the ideas around how I could take it forward that I sort of started putting my head into it really solidly. And that's where some of the, the project load has helped in terms of having some gaps in consulting work to enable the, the focus on the the traveling dads and, and traveling mums stuff. But in saying that. To anyone else out there, I'd, I'd just say make a commitment to yourself to set aside some time each day or each week to work on your your product or your innovation or, or whatever it is that you, your passion is, and you, you'll make progress. You just have to be disciplined about it. But the the important thing is not to overload yourself or stress yourself out about making it all happen. If you just say, "Yep, I'm going to do a little bit each each week or each day," um, and stick to it, then um, you know you you make progress and and you can manage those competing demands on your time. What I did want to show people, um, if you go to our website and um, go to the About tab and scroll down, you'll see some of the uh, examples of the um, the finished illustrations of the first book and how uh, some of them started out um, in terms of uh, whiteboard um, sketches and, and things like that oh just on that one actually <clears throat> this is another thing we've done um so if you see down in the bottom right there with a picture of isla um at the end of each book uh, um we plant the main character for the next book um in the scene and have a little um you know have a little throwaway as to um you know what's coming next so at the end of the dinosaur crow all the the, the two boys and dad are, are sitting there eating their saber-toothed tiger on the edge of the creek and they spot um, Isle of the Giant Squid in uh, in the creek um, and the boys yell out, hey, who's that? And dad says, that's Isle of the Giant Squid. Let me tell you a story about her. And that's where it ends. And so then the second book is all about Isle of the Giant Squid. So there's, a, there's all that sort of um, info people are interested on the, on the website to have a look at and check out
2: that's great I you couldn't hear me because I was muted but I I was laughing I, I really love your drawings though and um, <laughs> that you you know you you involve um, your your readers and your you know your users your clients and in, in kind of the whole process that you go through
0: yeah thank you
2: it feels like you have a clear vision of where you want to go with this and I have a two-part question for you. So number one, do you? Do you have sort of a long-term vision? And then number two, has there been any like major pivot point um where you, you've had to sort of change gears?
0: Yeah. So first question. Um yeah, long-term vision, well, medium-term vision is to um illustrate and publish the the six books in the first series. So, you know, there's a there's a complete set and and if it doesn't go anywhere from there, then that's okay. Um, but we've got a, a complete set in it, and it's done. Um, the The longer term vision around the the app um, and things like that, um, yeah, absolutely. What I'd like to to see, depending on funding and interest and things like that, is is to give people the ability to create their own stories um, and then have them produced and even have the Illustration automated, for example, um, or have the, um, the, the, the recording, um, you know, be able to substitute in your kids' names into the story, um, but in an automatic way where you might open the app and just, um, you know, enter in however many main characters there are and, and you just say the names that you want in there. And then some AI in, um, incorporates that into the, the existing audio. Um, so then you've got an audio book um, straight away that um, you know incorporates your kids' names, your names, um, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, giving a, a way for people to create their own content, I think, is the is ultimately where we'd like to go. Um, the The pivot point um, is around or has been around um, COVID, particularly. Um, and so, an example of that is this time last year was it. No, a bit before, it was maybe August last year. Um, we signed up our first major client um, and the, the, sorry, I haven't mentioned this, that our marketing angle, uh, which is another another differentiator, isn't to go um, B to C. So we're not going straight to consumers and competing on the bookshelves in your, um, you know, major bookstores or, or things like that because um, it's just, it's too saturated, that market. Um and so the approach has always been and still is a B2B approach where I've been approaching um, and engaging with corporate businesses who have employees who have to travel a lot for their work. And it's not it's not a penance. It's just that's the nature of the job. It might be fly-in, fly-out mine workers. It might be cabin crew on aircraft or pilots. Um, it might be consultants for, you know, places like McKinsey or BCG or, or whatever, the, the, a core part of their work is that they have to travel away from family. Um, and so in August last year, we signed up our first major corporate client, which was Virgin Australia, um, then uh, the second largest airline in Australia. Um, they had 5,000 cabin crew and I oh, was at eight no, six or 7,000 people across their cabin crew and pilots. So they bought 200 books and 200 recording slots um, in the app um, and they used those to give out to their um, pilots and cabin crew who had kids to say, look, um, here's a well-being initiative that we're undertaking um, and uh, it's all about, you know, trying to keep you better connected with your kids when you have to travel because that's a core part of your job. Um, so here's a, here's a free book. Here's how it works, um, download the app, uh, use the recording slot to record your own version. So in the app, the script, the whole script of each book is in the app. Um, so you just hit record and start reading, reading the book and that's recording your version in there. Um, and so that was going to then, um, we we're going to use that to grow further um, and had sessions lined up with businesses like Qantas, like Woolworths, a major um, retailer here, some of the big consulting groups, um, but then COVID hit and um, everyone stopped traveling, and so we're, we've kind of been in a little bit of a, a hiatus. Um, it's getting close to the point of sort of reinitiating some of those discussions, and I'll be doing that before Christmas. Um, but that's the that's the angle that we're taking it, and I think at any point when a business is like trying to consider, well. Fundamentally, at the moment, businesses over here are trying to stay alive. Like, that's the number one thing. And probably second to that, they're starting to think about people's well-being. So um, of the businesses that do stay alive, um, my plan is to re-engage with them um, as soon as possible and um, start talking about that well-being uh, angle um, and seeing how we can, you know, get some more, um, volume in there and and more more sales because you know with virgin that was one sale that equated to 200 units um and then the idea is people get a free recording slot uh you know that their business has bought but then they can buy more recording slots so um in terms of monetizing the, the business um the idea is that uh you know you might have a mom a dad an aunt uh grandparents you know you could have five or six people where the kids would want to hear a version of a story from each of those different um, people, so they could each buy a recording slot um, in the app um, to to record the same story or, or different stories, um, whatever they want. But that's the that's the concept
1: there. That's awesome. I really appreciate you sort of going through that and to be able to adapt constantly to sort of the the difference things you're experiencing in the business, I think is super impressive. And on that, I particularly wanted to ask, um, as I said, I really have been loving hearing about the different marketing ideas you've come up with, such as the collectible cards and how you've seen um, places in the market that are flooded and how you've avoided going into them and things like that. So what I wanted to sort of get an idea from you is how you iterate and generate all these different ideas and determine and what your approach is to determining which ones are worth pursuing and things like that
0: Um, yeah good good question spencer it's a bit of uh a bit of trial and error for example one of two of the main brands we've got are traveling dads and traveling mums but then we've got two other uh, brands as well uh, all under the same overall banner but one is distant nans and pops and the other is kids on the mend. Um, and the idea of all of those was to to be able to test different market segments. Um, but the thing I've found, and, and when COVID hit, you know, my thinking was, okay, well, we need to pivot and start focusing more on the distant nans and pops thing because, you know, lots of old, older people are being isolated in um, nursing homes or aged care facilities and not being allowed to see um, family and friends because of COVID. So, this could be a good way for them to interact with grandchildren and the like. Um, but th- where I haven't found a whole lot of traction there is that it's going back into that um, B2C space and the, the amount of time and effort to, um, you know, get over the, the hump of, um, you know, onboarding people um, is, is in my mind, um not worth the effort as opposed to holding off for a little bit until things um, thaw out a little in terms of travel and, and things like that and then going back and targeting the, the corporates um, who have people travelling more when people do start to travel. Um, it's not to say that I'm, I'm not doing things in those other spaces um, but just as a core focus, um, it, it's, it's trial and error around, you know, going and talking to people and, and asking them, you know, what do you think about this? So, so when I when I do a, a pitch to a, a new business or organisation, I'm not pitching to say, "Hey, here's my product. Do you want to buy it?" Um, I'm saying, "Hey, here's this product suite we've developed. Um, we've got an idea that it, it could be applicable, say, to people in aged care facilities. Um, you run aged care facilities. I'd really love to, you know, sit down and have a chat with you and, and get some ideas to to see what you think if if it could be valid or, or not." Um, and then that sort of changes the the whole discussion because then it's not oh look I'm trying to sell you something it's like I value your knowledge in this niche area that I've got an idea you know our products might fit but I, I don't know the the um that area well enough you do let's um let's talk about it and and see um you know how it can work um and then and that has led to some you know different changes and tweaks to some of what we've actually got um in the product and and how it works, so that's how I've kind of approached that. Does that answer your question?
1: Absolutely, thank you very much i um I was even think trying to think a little bit myself on whether or not you could have like plush toys or something after the main characters.
0: yeah, yeah, oh, my kids are itching for for that level of the business to arrive. <laughs> I can tell you. <laughs>
2: That's great. I think that's a great idea. Actually, when you were talking about Coles uh, and Woolworths, I was thinking that that's, you know often sort of how they do that uh, giveaway um and and they even kind of uh, coordinate that with the cause, too. So i I don't know if that's something that's in your future vision, but I could definitely uh, I, I can envision that you can go in the, a lot of different meaningful directions with something like this. Um. Personally, I actually really love the idea of collaborating the reading um, on the app because I have a family that's pretty spread out. Um, and I, I think it's a really cool thing to be able to do for some of my nieces and nephews. So I, I think there's there's a lot of value in in that idea. Um, So we've got just a couple minutes before the the end of the hour. And I just want to make sure you have a couple more minutes and and you don't have somebody waiting on you. (laughs) I'm all good. I'm all good. Yep. We usually ask people kind of towards the end uh, to give us some sort of words of wisdom that either someone's passed on to them or just sort of some philosophy that you live by. So you can use that however you like. But if you have any any advice for us, we'd love it.
0: Yeah. In the entrepreneurial space, I guess, um, the not the advice that I, I give, but but what I do is, um, you know, be a be a doer, not a gunner. Meaning there are so many people out there who are going to do this and they're going to do that and they're you know, going to have a go at this or that and never do anything to me if you if you want to learn and experience and and try things out and you've got to do something like you can't just sit back and let it happen and wait for it to come to you you've got to get off your ass and um you know make it happen uh and you don't know where it's going to take you so um like i said before the the whole covid thing has put a real slow down on you know the projected pathway that i that i had for traveling dads and traveling mums but the approach that i've been taking to it means that, well, that's okay. Um, you know, it wasn't the, the 100% focus. It was one of a number of balls that, um, you know, I've been juggling to keep, things, uh, to keep things going and keep things interesting. And so it's okay if it slows down a little bit. There are some, you know, benefits to that. So th- that would be my my advice. Find time to have a go and, and start doing things. and And be, you know, be creative about how you do it. One of the things that has slowed us up this year has been with the initial iOS app development. I partnered with QUT, Queensland University of Technology in Brisbane, and their IT and computer software departments every year are always struggling to find industry projects for their final year students to do um, their final year uh, development work on. So I I worked with them and partnered with them. Got an awesome team of um, four guys who developed the iOS app. Um, for me for free so I didn't pay a cent for it but what i did do to incentivize them to do a good job and finish it in the in the year that they had to um, do their final subject was i signed them on to um, revenue share agreements um, so that if it took off that you know they'd get a, a share of you know the app purchases um, or in-app purchases sorry uh, for three years i think after it was finished because in that final year subject it was a bit flexible around you know do your best to try and develop a finished product but if you don't it's okay it's more just learning the theory and the process and things like that and I said to the guys well that's great for you guys at uni but I want a product so the way I'm going to whip you into shape and make sure you get me a product is I'm going to incentivize you by giving you um, the potential for a bite of the carrot at the end of the day and um, they produced a fantastic product and now two of them are still helping me on the Android app still with the same incentives but because the the combination of the monetary incentives and the university incentives aren't there and they're now working as well, It's it's been a lot slower. So the reason I tell that story is just think outside the box, think of how you can bootstrap things, um, you know, in the early stages just to get your minimal viable product available to be able to show people and, um, and get feedback on it.
1: Thank you very much, Mark. That I think is a perfect quote. I've actually thrown that into... A little quote channel down below, be a doer, not a gunner. Love it. Um, And Ines said, um, well, same as I just did, this is good, be a doer, and this is a good incentive, good idea, think outside the box. Totally agree on that. I think um, motivating the students in the way you did is both creative and incredibly a good idea. Um, I think at this point, since we've just gone a little bit over the hour, we might wrap up if that's all right with you, Mark.
0: Absolutely. No, happy to do that. Thank you again so much for the opportunity. Um, if anyone has got more questions or anything like that, um, please reach out to me in any any one of the channels. The, the guys sent out all my contact details. Um, have a look on the website. We can ship the books to wherever. You can get the app on iOS for free um, for the, troops who are not in Australia, Nancy can attest to the um, the ebook versions, um, you know, which is a, a good way of still being able to access them, but, um, you know, cheaper and easier way than the physical ones. So, um, yeah, thank you very much for having me.
1: Thank you to everyone who joined us today. We really appreciate you bringing your perspective and energy to today's discussion. Uh, have a lovely day, everyone. And thank you for joining us.
2: Yeah, thanks so much, Mark. This is awesome.
1: All no right,
0: Nancy. Thanks, everyone.
1: This has been Nancy and Spencer on Founders Voyage weekly podcast. Our speaker each week can be reached through our Discord server. Our intro and outro music is from the song Something for Nothing by Reverend Peyton's Big Damn Band. We'll be back again next week for another episode. Until then, have a great day and continue your voyage.